0: Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Hey, hey, for break, break for break it down. This right here is how we do it. Break it
1: down. It's the Break Atlas podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka the potty mouth of the South.
2: And my name is Chris Mitchell, aka the actual factual. How are you, man? I am good.
1: I listen,
2: man, I'm gonna keep it
1: real with you in it. Uh, You know what this episode's all about. The people will see this and go, okay, so they got another West Coast legend on the podcast. I don't know if I need to say anything else but the fact that we have Raz Kaz on the fucking podcast. And it's been a long time since I swore like that. And the reason why is because we just spoke to him for close to two hours. And the stuff, the nuggets, as he called them, the Easter eggs that we got out of him, are so crazy and it makes me wonder. Like You listen to his music and his catalogue, and you go, wow, there's so much to unpack here. But then you talk to him and he needs to write a book, do a movie, all that good shit. But we spoke to
2: Raz, Kaz, man. Look, I have nothing more to add. All I'm going to say is, you know, what's understood doesn't need to be said. Come on now.
1: But no, this episode, is a, this, this is a goodie. It's a goodie and it, it, it carries on with the vein of all the artists and producers uh, and people that we've had thus far, but, you know, there's stories about Jay-Z, Nas, the story about Prem, Premier, there's the, you know, working on Soul and Ice, Assassination. all of that. There's so much to unpack. He was so gracious with his time. He's got a new project coming out. He's obviously released five mics. He's got another one on the way. Um, we can't wait for that. This is Raz Kaz on the Breaking Atoms podcast. It's another episode of Breaking Atoms, and another episode means yet another legend. This time, we take it all the way to the west. We take it to the person who provides, as I'm reading, Sample on ice. The, the person who gets uh, us ready for the limical, lyrical Armageddon, who, uh, who might put some lyrics for uh, that might be too intense for some punk ass MCs. Right. We are talking about Razkaz. We have yes, Razkaz sir. on the Breaking
0: Atoms <laughs> podcast. Oh man, happy to be here. What's going on, Summit? What's up, going on, Chris? We're good, we, man. Thank you listen, so much for
1: joining us. We we're just we're just right happy here. you're here. This is this is a bit surreal. I don't know if it's like a sleep I home with my newborn. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I'm just happy to be here. We've got a load of questions to ask to ask of you. We just want to thank you for your time, or straight off the bat, and also for your contributions, and also for the memories you've given us. Thank so you, man. We'll, we'll we'll start with there. How are you keeping with um? That's crazy time, right? Like in America, especially around the world, COVID, everything that's happening with with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. How are you keeping mentally? How's the family? How's everyone doing?
0: Uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm good, man. Uh, the family, you know, uh, is is healthy, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody kind of, you know, adjusted pretty uh, pretty. Uh, Pretty easily, I mean, for lack of a better word, but you know, um, you know, we all had plans. But what is it of mice and men? The book, the plans of mice and men often go astray. So uh, yeah, that happened. to Everybody in 2020, I had a whole different agenda, and that got wiped. You know, but uh, and uh, you know, I I was preparing to uh, uh, do a lot of you know performance and traveling and you know touring, and I was looking forward to it. But then I just switched out and I went into record in creative mode because there's two facets to the stuff anyway. So there's the studio and I enjoy, like, you know, my friends call me a studio rat. I just enjoy being in the studio and creating stuff. Um, so it was easy. I just shifted from performance and went into creative. So I'm just, you know, I, I have a, a very short list of uh, people I consider friends and family and coworkers also. And uh, so we just got it in.
1: Um, I want to start with uh, your writing process. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're going to go into a lot of your lyrics as we go. Chris is also a rapper too, so he can he can list your oh, well. lyrics off the top off the top of head. But I want to. I'm as, as I'm not a rapper. Uh, I'm very intrigued by by how artists, you know, how writers, I should say, put together their rhymes. What is your process, and how has that changed? And then, off the back of that, what possessed you to write, etc. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. Okay, so the process is myriad, it varies. Um, Solo Nights for the m- most part was kind of a collection of, of I've been just specifying that, but I still write like this often. Sometimes I'm just writing rhymes and I'm trying to find the right, it's almost like uh, scoring a movie. So sometimes I have a scene and I have to find the right music for that scene. Um, so then it's the process, which is kind of ba- the backwards way of doing stuff. But for things like "Name to the Threat, it wasn't inspired by a beat. It was a, it was a thought. Um, so then I just had to find the music that would work for that. Interview the vampire. I feel like we nailed it. That, like, same thing. I, I wrote the rhyme first. and then I, But I had music in my head. And, and my man played that music, which was crazy. Like it, like, it literally translated from here to that. That's exactly what I heard when I was writing the rhyme for an Interview with the Vampire. Um, but then the other flip side is, you know, you get a beat, and, the, you know, the music tells you what to do. So, uh, uh, you know, and that would be... Nowadays, I'd say the majority of my music, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I kind of get, you know, I'm inspired by the production to, to go in whatever direction. Uh, Etcetera would be a mix of both because um, I basically produced that record. I found the sample. I looped it. Wow. Um, I actually tracked it. So I played it off of SP and I would stop it. it it's, no, it's no, it's not set. You can never play that record with another record because I'm stopping the, the SP. The samples would would sometimes delay um uh like it would have a delay on it like if you mm-hmm. pressed it it would just kind of keep playing and then i just put, I, so I manually track that record wow and and so it it, it won't it won't line up to anything because i'm doing it humanly and i'm sometimes i wanted to just stop and start early just to kill the kill a swing on it i wanted to change the swing up um and really, that record's just inspired by the hook. Uh, the the the, the uh, like moon, pin predator, et cetera, Yeah, right. I was just like, that's the illest line, and so that line inspired writing the record.
1: Your synonym, your synonym game is crazy. I mean, on that like the the alliteration with the R. Renegade uh. rebel Resent, like you know, <laughs> raspberry Like I'm just like, how, like, and this is this is 96, you know. This is this, you know what right. I mean? Like, it's
0: it's crazy. So it technically, it's 95 or four. Right, right, right. So it, yeah, right, right. So <laughs> even there, to yeah. to
1: think about like how how your brain worked and to, to write songs like that, and you've got a litany of that on in your in your catalog. I just I just picked that one out. Um, You Mm -hmm. spoke about Solar Nice, and I've got this sampler here, and we'll talk about the kind of shout outs and and all of that in a second. But um, what did you want to achieve with that album?
0: Uh, Two-part. And then pretty simple. Uh, I I, I was nowhere thinking about being a rapper. Um, uh, Battle Cat, DJ Battle Cat, that's always with Snoop, and did Ghetto Jam. He saw yeah. something in a 14-year-old kid and cultivated that and, and supported me and Bird and gave us opportunities with, you know, the people he was working with, you know, Domino and Box, really Box, who had a deal on a label called Wild West Records back then. So really big shouts out to Box and and, and Battlecat, and then my big homie, Wino. Uh, about a year or so later, I would meet Wino and he would help develop me too. And Wino went on to do... uh all the Coolio stuff, so Fantastic Voyage and Gangsta's Paradise and all that. So um, those two people are just really a kid that wasn't looking and didn't know what he was gonna really do. Um, they, they saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And to answer your question, um, basically uh, the point was that I didn't see myself doing this. Um, I told my dad, but I even liked hip hop. He wasn't, he's like, it's a fad to be gone in a year, or whatever he was obviously wrong. Um, And uh, my mother, when I finally when I eventually with the support of, you know, Battle Cat and when I was like, hey, I think I may really pursue this as something to do. Uh, She supported that. So I really wanted to give her a vinyl. That was really what I wanted to give her a vinyl with my face and my voice on it and say thanks. And that was just, you know, uh, that was my purest. That's really what I wanted to do. The other thing that I wanted to do was, you know, this culture changed my perception, made me start reading encyclopedias, made me start reading these books. Um, it gave me everything. It gave me a foundation when my family couldn't, when education, when school couldn't. It gave me a way to go find who I was and develop my own belief system and 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 use analytical thinking. That's what hip hop gave me. It regrew brain cells and, and and untrained me from being a stupid monkey American or world person that believes all the shit that that you're mistaught in school. And even your families repeat these ignorant things because that's what they've been taught. So um, with that being said, I wanted those people who I looked up to to say, I was cool to say that I was, you know, I'm I'm a fan first, I still am. I wanted, you know, Ice Cube and Scarface and Big Pun and Biggie and him and Big Daddy Kane and, you know, on and on and on. I, I wanted them to say, just really in my heart of hearts, I was hoping, you know, i was like, eh, I'll probably never get a record deal. That's not really, you know, not, I didn't see that as possible, really, really. But I felt like if I did get one, I would want my peers to say like, they would not my peers, they were actually my idols. I would want my idols to say that I was a cool kid like them. And I'm really blessed I got that. I got Biggie and Pac and Nas and Rakim and all those people I named that's, that actually really embraced me, Big L and Pun and said, like, you are special, you are ill, you are dope. And, uh, you know, that was it. I, I You know, now I call it Bardem. So I guess I wanted, I, wanted, <laughs> yeah. I wanted my. I wanted my talented... To, to put me amongst the elite and for them to acknowledge me as, as, a, as an elite uh, writer. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been blessed, man. That's, that's, those were my two things, moms and my, my peers.
1: That's dope, that's dope. Because last thing to like, I mean, we've talked, I've talked to Chris about this a number of times and even before this interview as well, talking about how you stay so true to your artistry. You've done what you wanted to do. At some point, though, there must have been a tipping point where you went, you know what? I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna stop caring about what other people want. I'm gonna do what I want. And then, like on realism, you kind of talk about the uh, a dilemma right. that a lot of artists <laughs> face, even today. Are you saying mm. that back then and even now they face faces like you know, <laughs> if you if you make a radio hit, they you know they'll criticize it. Underground hit, no one will buy it, kind of thing. So, yeah. for you. What was the tipping point? What was the moment that you went, nah, fuck this? I'm doing what I want to do.
0: Uh, when I gave them the Dr. Dre record. And I'm right before Eminem, and they destroyed it and fumbled it. And I didn't, I didn't compromise myself. I'm, I'm a Dr. Dre fan. You know, but I caught a lot of, the Source magazine tried to imply, the writer tried to imply that I sold out. And then, honestly, the, the irony of that was, you know, just four months later, you know, Pharaoh and most Def are doing Oh No with Nate Dog, but that's cool. So it was a lot of hypocrisy and double standards going on, in, even in hip-hop. Um, I'm a West Coast dude. Of course, I love Dr. Dre and N.W.A. and 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 you know M.C.A. whatever you know. Um, but they tried to make me a New York rapper, or East Coast rapper because I was a lyrical, and then ostracized me and tried to hate on me. Actually, even misquoted me, you know, uh, because I, I, I because I supported the fact that I'm a West Coast artist, um, and, and, and then watching my label fumble that. And watching, you know, you know, honestly to watch Dr. Dre, you know, well not watch, have him tell me things like this label's, you know, you're a star and this label's destroying you, crippling you. I just, uh, I knew I had to stick to my guns because they, they, they destroyed a record that should have been a hit um, by all standards. Then, you know, you know, a buddy of mine signs, during that same time is basically signing to him and becomes the biggest star in fucking rap. You know, watching Eminem, yeah. I'm right before Eminem with Dr. Dre, like, what What did I do wrong? Nothing. My company was was, yeah. was whack. And um, that's when I was just like, if I tried to make something super overly commercial, they would fumble that and I'd really lose all credibility. So my whole thing from there was, if you would fumble one of the slam dunks easiest hit records that still didn't compromise my integrity if i sold out you really fumble and i'd kill myself so i'm just gonna stick to what i do because you guys are whack
2: chris yeah um you're talking you know i love the i love the way you open up you're talking about ghetto fabulous just to confirm right yes sir yeah, I love the way you open up. Every day of my life is off the ringer. It's guaranteed, <laughs> like a fist fight or Jerry Springer. I love the way that you were able to still be clever, but not go over people's heads too much on that record. Right. Um, I, yeah. actually, I actually remember buying Rass "Assassination." I, I must have walked like an hour and 20 to the store to get it that day. I was serious. Oh, man, thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything Goes is one of my favorite records on Soul on
0: Ice. Thank you. Thank you.
2: At the beginning, you mentioned Rest in Peace, Kalani. Yeah. Tell me who Kalani is. You know what was he like as a person? And you know, I know you've immortalized him on that record, but if you can just bring him to life a bit more, like what what was he like?
0: Oh, man. So Kalani uh, was from our city, from Carson. Uh, before I was rapping, even officially, I would I, what we called housing, which was more like break dancing, whatever, like you know. So. A lot of us housed, and we were in different cliques, and then some of us were tag bangers, whatever. So, uh, I would say, like, you, you, I'm this is literally like 98, 99 ish. So there's at Band Clan that they're still dancing. Will I am um, so Will I am is dancer, Far Side dancers. Everybody like we dance, we break dance and battle against each other. Then we get into Cypress Two and rap but that was kind of what we were doing when we were like younger. Um Kalani was older than us. I started getting a reputation for being a dope dancer although I wanted to transition. I was still doing my music but I still had a reputation for being a dance dope dancer. Um Kalani was shit Kalani, I don't know how old Kalani was. He, he 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 was one of the dudes if you ever watch um Probably had us about like five years. And some of us was like 16, some was 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever. All in that bracket. I was, initially I was probably about 16. No, I was 14 trying to act 16. Because I started school early and got skipped. So I was in whatever. I was probably in the ninth grade or 10th grade. And I'm trying to act like I'm, I figured that out early on just to shut up, because I'm short. Sure, I wasn't tall, and I was younger, so I would just be a very quiet dude. So I could, but I was smart. So i just fit in and be cool, and I, I always had, a, you know, way with words. So then yeah, I could talk shit when it was trying to talk shit. So long story short, Kalani, yeah, Kalani then, um, this was like an interesting time in L.A. There were these dope, uh, like, hip-hop clubs. They were 21-year-old clubs. We could get in sometimes, sometimes we couldn't get in. I made a deal with my mother, basically. She's like, you're too young! What are you going out till 2 a.m.? I was like, well, and then I got kicked out the house, so then I had to live with my grandma and Watts. And then we made a deal, and the deal was, look, I like going to these things. Uh, it was called like Funk Jungle Water in the Bush. You would see ice tea and uh, Everlast and just, you know, you know, Def Jeff, just, you know, and Belly Mail, and whatever, the club. I had my homie gave me his fake ID. It was hit or miss. I was, like, stupid kid. I was, like, you know, like, we piecing up on a 40 back then. Then we would go. Kalani would pick us up, and we'd go, because we was dancing and battling people, like these adults We these stupid kids in the club. And sometimes the security would look at me like you know what's your address kid and I'm like, I don't know. And I'm drunk off of forty. He's like, get out of here, stupid kid. You'd have to like sneak in, whatever, man. So it was it was crazy. It was like this great era. And Kalani introduced us to that. And you know, we'd be battling and and uh you know meeting Scoob and Scrap, you know, whatever. Wherever the hip hop stuff was, we meeting the elite on some on some hip hop dancing and stuff. And uh uh he he, he he was part of scheme team. So he's like one of the dudes, if you look at Saying Nothing video, they in there like there's brother, there's um, ah man, forgot the other one, the light skin one with the afro, that's the homie too. And if you look at that video and then there's Kalani, he was bald head, Charles Shivers. And he'd be like popping and ticking and shit. And he was ill. And then and then he would be, he it wasn't just like dancing. I don't know, everything in LA is a little more violent. So it wasn't Beach Street, like niggas would dance and then like fuck niggas up be fighting and shit, kicking niggas. So we was like, it was me, my, my homeboy Dags, Dismos, uh, DIs. We were called Dynamite My Soul. And we were like the young clique. We were like the JV, Junior Varsity of skiing team. They were the seniors and the men, and we were like the young dudes coming up. And then we'd be running around hitting dudes with 40s. It was just horrible, we terrorized and, and danced a lot. It was crazy. So that was Kalani, man, he was just crazy. and. I remember when I told him I wanted, like, I, I let him hear some music, because I went by, people called me Raisin, a different nickname, was a mole on my forehead, just, you know, just Creole <laughs> shit. And so that was the joke, and it stuck. And so I remember I was like, I had researched, and I was trying to come up with an MC name, and I don't know, I might have been in 11th grade by, by this point or something, I don't know. Um. I don't know, maybe by now I'm like 15, 14, 15, I don't know, 15, 15. Um, and I remember telling him like, I'm gonna change my, you know, like I'm gonna become, I'm a rhyme. I'm, and I, he listened to my music. Uh, and he's like, you know, a lot of people would, you know, a lot of my friends when I initially tried to rap kind of shut me down, just cause my friends are dumb, pretty much. And they, they are. I have dumb friends. And I get it now, you know? I date dumb women. They don't understand what I'll be talking about. They don't listen. Like, at least I know a girl likes me, because they don't be. they like, you're not famous, and I don't understand none of this shit you making. So, whatever. So, and then my friends are dumb. They're like, you're fun, and I like hanging out, but I don't really listen to that shit. I'm like, yeah, I know. You're an idiot. So, um, yeah, not for real. Like, I, I know my friends don't listen to my shit. You know, it used to hurt, but I'm like, you're dumb. So, I get it. I understand. My fans are dumb people. Do you? Yeah, and um, and they like you know whatever is trendy at some point. But um, I uh, I played it. He was like, "You are dope." He believed in me when early, early, early on, and he's the first person to call me by the name that I chose to be, which was Raskas.
2: Awesome. So
0: that was from Kalani. Yeah, like, I know, I named, I named myself, right. but he respected me changing my name and started calling me by right. So Razz. he started calling me that, wow. Oh, yeah.
2: oh. No, thank mm-hmm. you for that, and, and rest in peace, rest in peace to Kalani. If we stay with, with Soul On Ice, there's a song on there, and um, I was listening to it at the gym this morning, and it still hits me hard. It's The Evil That Men Do,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, first verse. um, Sorry, it just gets me emotional when I, when I think about it. When you said, um, God is white, Bo Derek is a 10. I hate my black skin. It's just a sin to be a nigger.
0: Yeah.
2: It made me think about a number of things, you know, like pride, uh, black power, self-hatred, all those types of things. But then I really started to think about colorism, you know, someone who's dark himself or, you know, relatively dark by people's standards. Um, People, you know, girls as well would make fun of me at school for being dark. And then now I'm older. I wasn't even that dark. That was the problem, you know? Right, Um, right, um, right. How do you think the entertainment industry um, promotes this negative stigma around colorism? Like, what you know, what have you seen in general, even in in, in you know your personal circles? What, what have you seen? How do we uphold this myth?
0: We we I mean we've done it. We we were continuing to do it heavily, relegating the dark skinned women to certain kinds of roles. She's the maid. The, the, the love interest even in the black movies is the fair-skinned girl. Um, you know, we, the fair-skinned guy. You know, I, I call them the mulattoes. You know, mm-hmm. like, and uh, you know, every culture does it. You know, Asians do it, Arabs do it. Uh, Indians definitely do it. You know, people, it's the, I, it's the ass kiss of your rapist. That's, if we wanna be honest. White man ran around, kicking ass, taking names, and while he was kicking ass, taking names, he was raping ladies. And he basically said, my bastard kids will have some degree of power. At least you're better. You will be societally accepted, even though you will be second class. But you darkies are definitely bottom of the, you know, it's, it's you know, shit. I mean, you see it even in fucking, the uh, you know, the, the caste system of Hinduism. You know what I'm saying? You see it with India versus fucking Sri Lanka. You know <laughs> Sri yeah. Lankas is black as shit. They get treated like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, no you
1: know yeah. right. I, yeah, I, yeah. I got I got we I got something later if we got time to talk to to talk to you about uh the nature of the threat and, and that kind of colarsism and stuff. But it's you know yeah. you're right. Oh I mean, yeah hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: But carry on yeah, yeah, no worries. And, and and so you know, we blacks are are so called blacks, whatever you want to call us it, because we're Pan Africans and, and, and a Dominican is, has African blood, a Puerto Rican, a Mexican. And all of us are running around here, British blacks, th- different, different family tree, but it's still African blood. And then you may have a British mom or a, a Russian mom or a German mom that makes you, we're still collectively a people that, that, first of all, have culturally divided based on who pimped us. Did Spain pimp you? Did Britain pimp you? Did France pimp you? Did, so we're, we are so fucked up when, when we get to the Pan-African experience. At least Indians can go home. And Mexicans, you know, understand what I'm saying? But then they reject, they, they love their rapists. I'm so Spanish, I'm so Spanish. And then they hate their African. And mm-hmm. then we all do that. So us, we run around and we have nowhere to run. Mm. <laughs> and we still hate ourselves. We're still mm. dealing with the same self hate, but but we are visibly and culturally nowhere to go. Mm. Like, where am I going to go? There's no Black American country in Africa. Like, nigga, I can't. You know, I can't speak Swahili. I can't speak Arabic. I can't. Like, whatever. And and, and culturally, I'm an American, and and and, and so. When I I wrote that record, especially back to specifically that line, I said, I was the darkest kid in my family when I was born. My family's Louisiana Creole. So once again, it's a subset of black people. French-blooded, you know, pass on blonde, pass for white, you know what I'm saying? Some some of my family members, green-eyed, light-skinned, straighter-haired, da-da-da-da, so then I'm the black guy. (laughs) And then that, you infer that that's ugly. Yeah. Just from society. It, 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 and then the girls start saying, oh, you black. They infer that I'm a fucking color retire. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah, even yeah. if I was, what's wrong with that? You understand what I'm saying? No,
2: I, no, I, I, I mean, I had, <laughs> I'm going to share this with you because I could laugh. I had a, a girl at secondary school tell me I was this color because I don't wash.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that those are these weird subliminal things that they almost implant in your brain that we're dark because we're dirty or something. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just, this, this is the irrationality of racism, of, of of what white people have projected across the world. This is not a British thing. It's not an American thing. America just really got good at it. They just perfected this shit. <laughs> but everybody does it. <laughs> this is the prime beta test. Like, this is ground zero for the shit. But everybody does it. Oh, you're dark because you're dirty or something. Like, nigga, this shit don't come off. It's not like a suit. I put it on in the morning. Dumb fuck. And and this is the best shit for to avoid skin cancer. It's a battery. This shit works with the sun. Yeah. Anything in the sun is darker. Any mammal, like, period. The, the more white you are, the less you've been in the sun you don't reduce certain things and you're kind of you're the loser but we don't you know we don't study those things they don't teach that in school that's why we run faster and jump higher and live longer and all this other shit Mm -hmm. so um what i do say in a song is i say i hate my black skin it's just a sin to be a nigga then again i'm we're like i'm like a french man because granny's creole and therefore we're black french people so i think it's best if i go to catholic school study under nuns and then I'll be a Catholic, Catholic. fool. Yeah. Because none of these cults want none of us up and don't none want to see none of us live to be adults. So it doesn't matter what cult you come from. What, what, what your, your ideology matters not when it comes down to racism. You know what I tell oh. my, my brown friends? You know when they run out of dark skin niggas, they coming for you. Let's just say they won, the, 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 the races. They're going to kill the niggas first, right? The darkies, right? Then they're going to go for the light-skinned ones. Then they're going to say, come here, Mexican. Come here, Puerto Rican. They're going to kill your ass, too. Then they're going to kill you, Arab. They already got it out for y'all because you got oil. Get your ass out of here. And last but not least, they're going to kill Asians. So why would you identify with a power structure that ultimately hates you, too? Oof. You know what?
2: One of the things we want to do on this podcast, Raz, is we love hip-hop, the music, right? Mm -hmm. But we grew up reading The Source magazine, and it's going to lead into my next question. It's about hip-hop music, culture, and politics. I feel we do the culture a disservice when we just talk about music. We have people here with so much life experience and so much knowledge that Mm -hmm. that they can share. And I said to myself, and I said to Summit earlier, I said, there's no way (laughs) we're getting Raz Kaz on this podcast, (laughs) and we ain't going to get him to go off on some on some topics so no thank you thank you yeah. so much and um yeah Listen. the evil that men do is one of my is one of my go-to go-to records love it i listened to it on the treadmill this morning it was on rewind Very let's nice, talk bro. about the source magazine yeah we all grew up on that we all did love the source um i I, re- I watched an interview i think it was with white label radio that you were gonna be the first six mic mm-hmm. mc and when i watched that my mind couldn't process it. I'm like, nah, like you're telling me they're going to put Razz that's not to say you're not good. They're going to put Razz uh, <laughs> above Ilmatic, above um, De La Soul, Brand Nubian. Tell me a bit about that, like how you found out that they were looking at giving you six mics and ultimately uh, what I know, That's it, why it, you didn't it. get it.
0: Um, well, I, they, you know, they, they it came back. I've done the interviews. They had heard, I would say, 70% of the album by then. They had heard etc. Nature of the Threat. Uh, if you know, uh, if then like they they were just like and Nas had gotten a five like my like I said my album was supposed to we were independent and my album was pretty much done and and this is probably late '94 that this album is coming out and so like. Nas had gotten his five bikes, and, and, and the crazy thing is that within the staff, they had they decided, like, fuck, if we gave that, this man just wrote it. This boy has just written an eight-minute history of racism. I mean, arguably, I'm not toot my own horn, man, but make sure The Thread is the most important hip-hop song ever written. It I, is. I,
2: I, I can yeah I can roll with that. No, I, I can I can roll with that. It's worth letting you know because she asked me to tell you before not to cut right. you. Right. My, wife, I'm, I'm, I'm my wife actually does anti-racism training, and uh-huh. she put together a whole syllabus. It talks about stories about um, the workplace and how racism uh, fits into the workplace. And there's also a segment called um, "Then and Now," and it talks mm-hmm. about the history of British racism as well. Right. And she had nature of the threat on repeat, she was using your music as reference. Oh, tell her thank you. Oh, man, she tell loved, No, she loves you. you. You think I'm a fan? Nah, she different. <laughs> she's different. She's different. She's different, me
0: She's different. She's different. She wanted me to tell you that, but go ahead. Oh, bless up, man. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm saying arguably, and no disrespect to any of my peers, but um, you know, I, I, I mean, and the song is selfish, but because I wrote it for me to understand chronologically cause and effect. I you know I was taking college courses you you guys call them uni but I, yeah but like junior, junior colleges I was you know I was going full time at like some big university, um, but uh I they they decided that because of the impact and the things that I was talking about and the range I can do street shit battle rap tell a story and then go into the socio political historical factual that range and, and, and what I had accumulated on that project that it warranted something more. And so it was going to be six mics. Um, what, what, what eventually became our doing is that, uh, you know, I, I realized that my friend had put me in a bad contract. Um, the things he said was in, it wasn't in it. That created a big division between us, um, and and then the bidding war happened. And instead of us being able to, you know, there was Def Jam, there was Rick Rubin at American. I was blessed. I had four or five different labels, you know, offering me deals. I ended up picking Priority Records, um, but it wasn't a unified front. So basically I was, you know, there were things that I wanted some concessions as as the production company slash, you know, uh, you know Patchworks wanted what they wanted. And then we have this label and it just drug out and it drug out for a year. Um, and then everybody gets greedy, you know, the, the production company, all of a sudden they want so-and-so hundred thousand dollars I need a hundred thousand dollars. We need a budget. You know, it just became all that and it just drug it out. So comment is everything, man. It took me about a year, uh, maybe a, a, a little over a year for solo nights to, to come out. And by then that time had passed, they had heard most of the album, you know, they had already heard 70 80% of it. Um, and uh, you know, that that was just that. Mm. And, and, and honestly, even, even besides that, you know, there's turnover in corporations. So there, you know, there were kind of some, some new things happening at the source. And, right. and uh, you know, and then I ended up getting like a shitty uh, uh, review.
2: I think it was three.
0: Three and a half.
2: Yeah. But yeah. You know what? You know what like, I just remember, I remember like buying the source and opening up, seeing Jay-Z, the blueprint, five mics, Equemini, five mics and that rush of adrenaline. That comes over you, but oh my god, like this album's that good. I'm just visualizing it in my head. Imagine seeing six mics, like.
0: But well, this was, this was before they would have gotten that, so mm. th- this literally would have been Nas was the only five mic album. Just imagine me coming out, yes, with six six mics,
2: awesome, awesome,
0: yeah. Which it's- you know, again, timing is everything. You know that that trajectory probably, would you know, you know, just that awareness would have been. Legendary No, for real, you for know. real. But for it, real. but it's still, you know I, I still can say it I You know, it's not a made up thing It's it's factual And there's people that can verify that The people that worked there at the time And mm-hmm. the publisher You know, the, you know um, What was it? The publisher? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Like the main dude Yeah, so. yeah Editor, publisher yeah, yeah. Edi- Editor, that's what I Yeah, mean. yeah, yeah
2: No, no, that's stop. Sticking oh, yeah. with the source though I know you're a lyricist Obviously you take a lot of pride You've got the hip hop quotable twice I think Yeah, um, come Mm -hmm. with it and waterproof. Waterproof, Um, Mm and you're an absolute madman for saying you wanted people to do drive bys with your ashes in the car. (laughs) Absolute (laughs) madman. Um, I've got a question for you if you could only pick one five mic album review or a hip hop quotable, which one would you
0: pick and why? Oh man, five mic album review. Um, um, a quotable is a verse, you know, and and many people have one time got busy and said an ill verse um, to, to do, you know, back then especially, you know, a song was three verses. So to do that consistently over 10 to 15 songs is, is much harder to do than writing one cool verse. Right. And, and you know, I, I, that was my, I was striving to write the perfect album for me you know, to, to, that's, I'm always, you know, uh, not always, sometimes like that is the goal. I mean, that's, you know, that, you know, what's going on, uh, Marvin Gaye, that shit's a fucking 5 mic album. You know, it stands the test of time, shit's emotional, it's beautiful, it's painful, it's real, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's heart-wrenching, that shit's just crazy. So yeah, you know, the goal is to pull something out of you that, to bleed. You know, I like, I, you know, actually, I think, you know, right now people are trained to like, like escape. They just want to enjoy, pop the bottle and the money in the bottle and the bitches in the pool and then I do it. And so it's just escape is the music. I I enjoy that music too. I mean, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I, it's theme music to going out fucking around, trying to get some ass, you know, and, and mindless. It's, you know, I'm on a fucker, then a fucker, then a fucker, and then the money in the game. And yeah, whatever. Bentley in the cars and the stuff. But, you know, and sometimes, you know, you want to hear some jazz or you want to, you know, you want to reflect and you want to think and it's melancholy, and, you know, uh, you know, uh, and, and I appreciate somebody that can make an album that gives me that journey. Um, those are always, you know, Biggie, Ready to Die. It's an emotional journey going through that whole album. Yeah,
2: agreed.
0: Um, agree. You know, Illbatic, um, you know, a lot of them, there's, you know, um, uh, 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 at Aliens for me, that's my favorite Outkast album. But they yeah. got, they have many, you know. Um, I, I my goal as an artist is to write perfect albums, perfect time capsules of who I am at that period, or to find one particular emotion for for a song, and to completely capture that. Like, you know, that that feeling, like, how do I capture it with the music, with my intonation, with the words that I'm saying, like, you know, what I'm going through or what somebody else is going through and then capture it and time capsule. So when I even go back and play it again, it becomes so, it becomes, uh, I can't find a word for it, but basically, uh, well, it's almost tangible where I feel it. I relive that experience when I hear that song. Like, fuck. Like, it's I'm about, like you a, know.
2: It's almost like a time capsule. Yeah, totally. You go back to that mm-hmm.
1: particular time. It makes you feel the, the same thing has come out again.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. Those are my, always one, though. So that that's the goal of, of, of albums for me. is to, Like, I feel like How to Kill God, me and Apollo Brown, like, we we, we did that. Like, that's how I was feeling. Um, Soul on Ice 2, I felt like that's what I was doing. Golden Child, I felt like I did that. Solo on Ice, I felt like I did that. Last um, Nation. I was scientifically experimenting, but I liked it, I liked it. And then I, and then I have all these random institutionalized, I think I did it. Like, I'm always trying to. Sometimes I do better than others, you know,
2: yeah. No, just so you know, I, I mean, I know what the source said. I know what the review was afterwards. But among the people and the fans, and when people mm-hmm. come to my house, I'm talking barbershops when we're arguing about albums, Soul mm. On Ice is a five-mic classic. The people thank you. um, And I know you've probably heard that. You can go on the forums. You can go on it. Yeah. Episodes. It's a
0: classic. I, I always think, I thank people for that, man. Yeah. I really appreciate, the people, you know, the them acknowledging the people. Yeah, the people. power to the
2: people. Um, Raz, let's talk about your humor. Now your humor to me is—it's a balance of being very witty, mm-hmm. and it's also very wicked. Some people mm-hmm. say it's inappropriate. I like it. <laughs> yes, I like it. It's right up my street. The line where you said, "Um, uh, you've effed know, up like crip walking by Shug Knight." Uh, right. What do you call a million <laughs> rabbits walking backwards? A receding hairline. In hair some intelligent humor. <laughs> what what when did you realize that you know i'm actually a funny guy or who was it who told you you know you're quite funny and who are the kind of people in your life that inspire your humor
0: i have uh, my father because he's a sarcastic (laughs) um and he always was (laughs) I, i watched him shut down my mother one time like not he didn't raise his voice or anything it's just what he said was just really rude but but not hurtful it was just Really analytical guy, a real—he's just that guy, and so I picked that up from him. It, it, and it really kinda, it's and it's really kind of—it's very—I I don't want it, to because it's not from Seinfeld, but it is that kind of humor. It's just right. dry humor. Right. I, think, I guess it's pretty British, kind of. It's just that dry humor. Just uh, yeah, I just have a—I have a dry humor. Um, it's not like slapstick or you know, it's just kind of. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind of intelligent. Some, you know, sometimes you have to be informed or well-read to catch a joke, you know, and, and, and I don't try, but I, my brain glues some book I wrote with some Marvel character with some gangbanging shit from the homies in the streets, and somehow those correlate to me naturally. And so I can make these references that incorporate all of them and then some people get them, you know, and, and that's you know I always um it's funny because uh, I had done an interview with ice t for for art of rap, and you know, he was talking about how like my witticism and the lyrics go over people's heads, and i I ended up saying, um, you know'm the mo- the people who tend to have enough time to educate themselves and, and who who tend to gravitate towards the type of music I do are people in, you know, in, that I went to school, college, university, or people in prison. They both have enough time to read and learn. And uh, it's funny because uh, Kendrick said kind of the same thing like years later uh, 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 on Charlemagne. But, uh, you know, that is it. Like, if, if, if all you know is Bentley pop bottle, then I'm probably going to I'm not speaking your language. You know, if you if you don't, if you haven't tried to learn something, then then we can't relate. And it's almost like languages. So just you know, just imagine we having this conversation here, but then I went into literally for the next five minutes, I start speaking Russian. You know, if y'all can speak Russian, you're gonna catch it. But mm-hmm. like if you don't, we just you are gonna your brain's just like, ah. he said nothing for he was unintelligible. For fucking five minutes and then he says but i could be saying some things that totally relate to what we are talking about now it's just you don't speak my language so that's the new way i use it as a metaphor like um uh, you know a lot of people don't talk my language and, and and my witticism is part of that there's a little self-deprecation in there yeah. um um which is just who i am as a person my friend uh who helped me in my first album i used to always say like man you know kick me in my ass if I'm wrong, you know, let's try this, whatever. And, and he would always see me like, man, I don't want to hear that, you know, oh, kick me in my ass. shit. But I would literally say, like, kick, my, kick, me, in my, you kick me in my ass if I'm wrong, man. I want to try this on some production shit. And so I, there's a part of me that, that has a little self deprec- uh, deprecation gene. Um, and then, and, and I feel like it informs the audience. I don't do it for that reason, I am just that person but it helps you understand how I feel about myself sometimes. So when I'm saying I do this shit, but maybe I'm an asshole. Like, yeah, I fuck the bitches, but maybe I shouldn't, you know? So it's kind of me dealing with my, you know, looking in the mirror, doing some, some, some self-analyzation. It's kind of what it ends up sounding like in the music, mm-hmm. I realize. Mm-hmm. But for me, it just comes natural because that's how I talk.
2: No, you're a funny guy, man. I was watching that. Yeah. Watching your Vlad TV interview, me and my wife, we were just cracking up. Yeah, you're funny. <laughs> you're funny. Um, the timeline has caught fire. Everybody's talking about the music business, contracts, the shady people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I thought of your songs, Billboard number no. one. I love that record. Uh, music of Business. The music of Business when you said somebody just made $40 million and it sure wasn't you. Wasn't you? Music, please. Um, you've always been outspoken about the music industry, 4,000 000- years. How's that hindered you behind the scenes? In I'm
0: sure. I'm sure, man. You know, you know, um, you know what what you know. Erv Gotti admitting what he did. Like you make enemies, man, and they. I, well, I said it. I said it on solo nights too. I said I was Kaepernick. Uh, you know, 15 years ago on some rapper shit. Uh, you know, uh, blackballed by capitalists for being activists, and I didn't have 10 million stacks to live. You know, so. I know for a fact I was blackballed. I was told other people told me that they would they would make sure that my records weren't played uh because I had the audacity to expect them to do their job. And uh you know, I should be you know, you know, you know how a uh, very rich racist white people talk when um when you have the nerve to ask for equality is they say you're uppity or you're entitled. You think you deserve you know, the football players, you know, you're doing your thing. You, 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 give, give you, you know, it's, it's shut up and dance, nigger, is what they're saying. Shut up and chuck and jive and do what the fuck we tell you to do. I mean, you're a your slave master. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't even have that term owners. Like, how the fuck can you football team owner or whatever? Like, you you, you don't own human beings. Fuck you. You know, we need to change our, even our vocabulary on the planet. we in. We, um, or, or let me start owning y'all. Yeah. And see how you like that. Mm, um. Lovely. Right You know Let's avert this this bitch And see yeah. how, how How you yeah. feel
2: Yeah Um. I do love when but, you go off I do love when you go off On the music industry though Because it's It's You know it's You've got people now They're kind of what You know Armchair lawyers And yeah. you know Everything you know Like even I've had A, a little mini contract dispute in, a, in the last couple of weeks And I say mini Because I know people Who have lost way more But it seems like Everybody's now talking about ownership and splits and all that. And it's like, you know what, this could happen to anybody. Like you can yes. you can get got legally. You know, there's paper gangsters out there, but you're you oh, yeah. open about it. So
0: I mean, because I got got from the beginning and it wasn't a some white guy. It was my friend who made 20 million dollars a year. So for me, like I remember I remember this, man, like early on, Coolio's like on Fantastic Voyage and Gold and I remember him talking to me. I'm like fresh out of juvenile hall, like basically out of kid jail. Then I went to grown-up jail because I took a deal. So this is like before solo on Ice, before I get the deal and all that. He's like, Rast, uh, you know, you can bleep this out. I don't know how this works, but I'm just going to quote him verbatim. He's like, everybody gets fucked. This is prior to me signing the deal and realizing I was going to get fucked. He's like, the, your goal is to keep your ass as low to the ground as possible so they can't get the whole dick in there. He's <laughs> like, so... I, and, wow. And, and 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 meanwhile, and I didn't really understand what he was saying. I'm like, nah, because I got my homie. And, but it's a great analogy. He's like, yo, <laughs> wow. you just kind of sit on your butthole, bro. Like, you're going to get fucked. He going to try, somebody. going to show, there's going to be a little, little, little tip going to get over there, bro, but you just got to scoop. Scoot and keep the dick out of you. And um and 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 even with that amazing warning from Coolio, I didn't see it coming because that wasn't who I thought the dick was gonna come from. My own guy, but somebody who 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 grew up with me, that was older than me, that was already a multimillionaire, I didn't see it. I you know, I I thought we had teams. So that's why I was writing about it, because I was experiencing it. Um, and then I would go through it even more, just you know, uh, through corporate America, like corporate corporate America, like you know, you know, basically my company, P- Priority Records, really was Capital Records, which was really Virgin Records in Europe. It's EMI Virgin. Mm-hmm. So when I would go to London, I'm going to, e- to Virgin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I'm in France, I'm going to Virgin. When I'm going to Germany, I'm going to Virgin. There wasn't a Priority Records there. There was no Capital Records in 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 Germany, um, you know. And 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 so watching all this power try to kill my career, and I didn't do anything wrong. I did. I fulfilled my obligations, and, and and that's why I wrote about it because it was happening to me in real time, and I was trying to warn people. And the other part is people. You know, people are so ignorant. They think oh, he fell off, he was just, he was lazy, or he was not good. Like, man, you don't understand what happens in, the, in corporate America, you know? I've I watched them destroy people's careers for, for little or, or nothing, you know? Um, and, and, and I watched people like mentally have breakdowns and shit, like other artists, like they'll, they'll have, you know, when you got the pressure of, I, I'm the bread, you know, I'm the breadwinner for my family, this is a great opportunity, um, but then these people make you feel like you're making all the mistakes, talking shit. I mean, honestly, that's why some... Look at the casting couch. So look at all these Me Too women talking mm-hmm. about how much dick they had to suck Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. You know they do that to men too, right? So think about how many men suck the cop to get a job. Literally bent over. It's all entertainment, so don't think it didn't happen in the music. It happens... In the music business, the same way it happens in the movie business. There are dudes, if you're gay, you're gay. But some dudes are just being, will bow down because they want the salvation. And, and and some people are breaking men physically, period, bro. So this is some mm. evil, fucked up shit going on around here. And, and, and corporate America, like, I, I'll give this last analogy. And it's not even, yeah, it is an analogy. I only have really technically one other job prior to, to rap. And that I worked at McDonald's for a week and a half. Me my homeboy Curtis who owns Patchworks and our right. other homeboy Eric Battle who's a coach at Washington State. Um, so it's us three, they two football players and it's little old me. And we go get a job because our parents are like, you need to fucking do something. So we go get a job when we're in like uh, 10th grade or something like that or 11th grade. And Working at McDonald's and in the Carson Mall. One of the managers likes Curtis. One of the managers likes me. I'm on. So all I really do is I make chicken McNuggets and wrap cheese on them. And I do nothing. I wear my own jeans and I have a great time. Life's fine until the next week she stops liking me and try to make me clean the toilet. <laughs> and there was shit in there and I walked out Whoa. and never came back. So I worked all of a week and a half. But I say that to say this. What interested me was at the end of the night, there's all this food that people didn't buy, you know, 17 Big Macs, 15 quarter pounders, filet of fish, french fries, nuggets. And, you know, obviously they can't use it tomorrow. So you bag it up. And I remember the first time I had to bag it up and I'm playing a trash can outside. That wasn't enough. They want you to put, take a water hose in. so they don't give it to the homeless. Then you water hose it and fuck it up so that nobody can have it. That's the practice of every McDonald's. That's probably the practice of most stores, but specifically in a big corporation, if we can't make money off of it, nobody can have it. And so literally that's what artists are to labels. That's what happened to me. The company said, we can't have another Jay-Z, so we'd rather put you in a trash can, not just leave you out in the back, but we have to destroy you so that you can't be worth something somewhere else.
2: Mm. So they literally—it's like a figurative pour
0: water on you. Yeah, yeah, but you're waterproof, though, man. Come on. Yeah, man. I mean, I, 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 but they try to drown me and and being blackballed for over ten years, telling you know other companies like that's what they do, man. Look at the same Kaepernick before Kaepernick. Mm. So again, these same things, these practices get. It's 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 the same cousins doing the same shit. They're using the same business practices, same playbook, man. Yeah. Playbook been the same since since the since the inception.
2: Yeah, yeah. That McDonald's story is crazy. Summit. So let's talk Golden Child though. Yeah, yeah. One of yeah. our favorite records. Yeah. I was uh, ask the question. You want me to answer it? Nah, let me ask.
1: I know my internet's a bit shady, but that's okay. I'm not. The, I'm not the record industry. It's my internet's being shady. <laughs> um, um, do you remember the day you recorded that with Primo?
0: Was yes. Was that
1: D Was it in d What can you tell us about, about, yes, about that sir.
0: day? Yes, sir. Uh what, Reliving That Day?
1: Yes, just Relive okay. That Day.
0: It's a great day. One of my favorite days in hip hop. So Primo knew me from Coolio and Wino for years before I had a record deal. Then I got a record deal. And then I wanted him on solo nice and, he was, super busy. Then I on and he was super busy. And I went on Rad Assassination. He's super busy. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I need you. Primo, it's Primo. It's Primo. He's yeah, always busy. Yeah, we super busy. But I'd be in the studio all the time at d d you know, whatever. But I just, I'm like, I want one for me. And I uh, finally got him. Uh, so that morning I, I flew into New York. Uh, I would get my hair cut in the Lower East Side. I so happened to record the day that Nas dropped Ether. Right. So Flex played that record like three times in the morning. It also came out, I don't know whose mixtape it was, uh, maybe Clue, whoever had the hottest mixtape, Ether's on there, it just came out this morning. So by the time I get to the barbershop at 10 a.m., that is the word on the street. This Ether song, they got everybody playing it, it's on the mixtape, it's been played on the radio three or four times. Um, and at this time, Jay-Z runs New York, period. Um, so I sit in the barbershop, and I remember there were two-way pagers. So I had a silver two-way pager, and I remember the debate, like a day before, Jay-Z was the best Nas is done through. <laughs> Today, though, it's, it's going – it's kind of 55, 45 Nas. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So, I, I, I you know, that, that's one of my biggest memories is that part of it. Texting my AR in LA saying, Nas just dropped a song and I think it's a rap. This shit crazy. Then I went, yeah, I got my haircut and I went to DD and I'm sitting with Premier and he like, yo, did you hear the ether? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So we start talking and we're, we're in Premier's room and in walks Nas bopping. So that's crazy. So I see Nas a day, he drops either He's walking mm. in to do something. He's next door, he's doing something for Don Diva magazine. So then it's literally just me, and Nas Premier talking for, for like an hour. I'm like, yo. Like and having this real MC conversation. And I'm like, fuck. Like, if anybody can see that it, crazy, crazy. Then Nas goes in his room after an hour or so and Premier is like, all right, let me cook up a little bit. Like, just go do whatever you're doing. They got pool table in there and all that shit. So I'm fucking around. I didn't even have nobody with me. I didn't have no chick, I didn't have no friends. My whole shit was like, I got a gun. I got a gun. And I'm talking to Prem and he's telling these stories when Biggie did uh, Kick in the Doorway, in the 404. Like, He's telling these stories like, you know, the only people, uh, Nas did a perfect take. We call it one take Willie. So Nas did a perfect take on New York State of Mind. Perfect verse. Lay that shit. No mistakes. Gunned it. Biggie. Perfect take. He had some bitches. Like he was in the back room with some bitches and then he came out. Perfect take, wrapped it, and gunned it. So there's only two at that time. So I'm just like, man, fuck that. (laughs) <laughs> then he cooking, he, he, he cookin', he's cooking, he's cooking, and he's like, yo, come in, what you think of it? And he plays one. I'm like, that's cool. That's that's cool. Nah. Go back. And he plays me some shit. And that shit crazy. I'm like, I want that. He like. And this is how bugged out it is. I want that. He's like, Jay bought this, Jay-Z bought this. No! But he didn't use it for the last album with the, I'm so gangsta, gangsta, girls. So he had already used, Jay bought the beat, never recorded over it. There's only, uh, but this shit fire. I'm like, bro, I want that. Like, that's what I want. To his credit, Jay called, uh, premier called Jay, like yo, Raz want that beat. Jay, like, let Raz have it. And I go in the booth and I wanna take Willie and God body it.
2: The whole song?
0: No, uh uh first verse and almost pulled off the second verse. Jesus.
1: Yo, oh, so, so a couple of things now, a couple of follow-ups. Primo called Jay then on the day Nas dropped ether yeah. and he said, give it <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Let me get he let me so Everybody was a gentleman, but it was a crazy day, and it gets crazier because I got like I. So I'm only the third nigga that, that like one take Willie, and I'm the West Coast one. So I'm like I one take Willie on a primo joint.
2: That's awesome, man. Did you did you write the song on the day that you got the beat? Yeah.
1: I I suspect there's more to the story.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit more. Oh, so. So then I gun out, and then, you know, I got, like, that was because it was morning, then afternoon, and now it's only, you know, whatever, it's probably like 7, 8. I call my guys in. We going out. We go. To, uh, my man, YS.P., who's part of the Rangers that was signing Jay-Z, we all yep. go out to the club, and guess who's outside <laughs> with us? Dane Dash and Jay-Z. I'm like, yo, this is a strange day. You know, I'm like, this is crazy. Okay. And then I remember um, Dave was popping shit, shooting jokes uh, on Wise. And they kind of gave Wise a hard time getting in. And I'm I about so Jay and Damon then went in. I was good. Wise was having a hard time. Got Wise in. We were all sitting together. Um, David Justice was, was sitting uh, not Justice, uh, 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 Jeter. So Jeter's sitting next to us with these bad chicks, one chick standing on the table. That's a whole different story. The chick standing on the table is, like, looking in the mirror, looking, looking at herself. She's hot, and she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her. Whatever. And then they play ether in the fucking club, and Jay-Z goes ballistic. And Dame's, like, has goes up to his DJ, like, well, turn that shit off. And dude won't turn it off. And that's when I knew it was a rat. Wow. That's when I knew nah, I was one. No. So here's a question for you, Raz. Do you that was a crazy day. Do you, do you think the
2: energy of that day, like when you listen to the content of Ether and just the whole tone, that confrontational kind of energy, do you think it channeled into your verses for Golden Child? Because when I hear that, I'm like, no, he lost it. This guy said, I'm chic. My rap style chic, like two locks. <laughs> you left us, bro. You left us. <laughs> you used to think the
0: atmosphere of the day kind of. Did you, did it it, 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 it could have been, man. Like, honestly, for me, that was, that was more entertainment from a fan. I already, I had waited too long to get a premiere record, man. I felt like that was personal, man. I, at, like, I went in there like I had beef with premiere, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Like, but that's how I went in with with Drake. Like I had to, because I'm such a fan, I, I felt like I would fan out and go easy, and I needed to go in there, like they said I was whack, and I had something to prove. So in my brain, to to, to keep me in my zone, I lied to myself and said, "Yeah, yeah, man, think I'm he said I'm whack, so I'm gonna show him." I had to do that. So I, it, it was less about Nas and more about, I got something to prove. I'm from the West, Premier think I'm white, And not because he don't, he, he believes no. I don't. Have, but I have to prove, and I waited a long time, so I'm not gonna let this opportunity pass me by. I gotta make some shit. Mm. I want I want to impress Premier, same way I told you about the first album with the MCs. And not everybody, especially West Coast artists, get a Premier track. I have, what am I gonna do? to make sure it means something to me, it means something to him, it means something to hip hop, like I got a body down. And, you know, um, you know, shit, you, you wasn't really official as a lyricist if you didn't get a premiere track. Uh-huh. You know, Common got his, Jay got his, you know what I'm saying, The Locks got theirs, Biggie, you know what I'm saying, Big L, Pun, fuck that, I, I need mine. Yeah. And they and they made classics, So I wanted to make sure I made a classic. You're there. You're there.
2: (laughs) Just the with the the kind of the Asian style of the sample. It made me think of Golden Child, the film. The movie, right? Yo, this is the perfect, this is the perfect, perfect marriage. It was the
0: marriage. It was meant to be, bro. Like it was really meant to be. And 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 again, Jay-Z was so gracious, you know, he could have been a dick. Like, nope. You know what I mean? Like, I already paid for that. And I'm gonna use the next album or whatever. He's like, yo, for, for Raz, you know, you know, because me, me and Jay had a rapport anyway, and it was well, that's dope that it, as well. That's for that,
1: yeah. I, I never knew that part of the story. That's the part it, I, didn't, it, I never it, knew. knew. You mentioned Dre. Now, I'm not actual factual. Chris is the actual factual. He is the fact checker on everything, right? Okay. Now, I was thinking about it, thinking about the interview. You got Dre and Rizza, who've, who've done songs on your albums, but didn't produce the track. Now, is there anyone? <laughs> is there anyone in rap music can, who can claim that?
0: Because I don't I think don't anyone. Think, I claim don't think it. so, man. I don't. I, don't, uh, I, don't I, I do am a, 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 a. And we got premier to scratch on the record that he didn't produce for the J-Mo gang. I don't know, man. Like we're like the luck. I'm like the lucky. I'm I'm blessed and and lucky enough that. Especially producers have love for me, uh, where they'll be like, you know, I see it, I'm down, I'll do it. You know, because Wizard don't rap on shit that wizard didn't make and you yep. know and, yep. and, and on yeah, you know um, you know, and for and like for me don't scratch on records, you know, like that it, it, you know, he just did it recently with uh, Run the Jewels, which is I, I love that record too, that new Run the Jewels record. Yeah. yeah but yeah. but prior to that, we I think we were the first, you know, like the first I mean, ones to get on it.
2: I know he's done it for Kanye, but yeah, it's it's a rare. Oh, respect. he did.
0: It's rare, but it's definitely rare.
2: It's definitely, but it's a respect
1: thing. It's like what Chris said. It's a yeah. thing. and I think it goes, It's a testament to 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 what the work you put in and the catalog of the body's work and who you are, because they want not do it for nobody. Even if they had money, when it's not... It's, right. Those kind of artists, they're doing it because they really
0: respect... Yeah, man, because, because I'm not selling, you know, and knock on wood, because the goal is to change that. I, you know, I, I feel like I deserve the same kind of a paycheck as Common and Outkast and Nas, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get the, the... I don't need a billion dollars, you know, but I do want, you know, shit, I want my equity out of this shit. You know, this is still a business at the end of the day, and, I you know, i um, But... I'm blessed that they treat me, you know. You know, Justice League and Snoop Dogg, like people. I ask these 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 brothers that, you know, could easily turn around and say, "Well, shit, where's your fifty thousand dollars?" Like, you know, if I, don't, if I don't see fucking, you know, forty thousand pounds, then beat it. And they, you know, they do it because they believe in what I'm doing and 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 they respect my talent. And I can't wait to, you know, shit. I can't wait to be on top of the world, do the same shit for the, you know. Obviously, when anytime they need me, I got, I'm there for them too, but I just, uh, you know, it's always humbling. I call it boredom again, man. Yeah, you yeah. know, those are the things that make me know that I'm part of a family and a community, even, you know, when the corporate part tried to fuck me over. I know I'm part of this community and this family called hip hop. Mm. Like really, I'm really in the culture.
2: No, definitely, definitely. If we stick with Dr. Dre though, Dr. Dre mm-hmm. has called you one of his favorite rappers on multiple mm-hmm. occasions. What is Dre's favorite song or verse by you in particular?
0: I don't know. You know yeah. what? You just, that would be, I mean, he's never told me any particular uh, verse. I, I I know that some of my peers would get very, Dre will coach you through your verses because he's great at intonation and knowing delivery. He's just ill. Like, like, and, uh, I know artists would get mad because I didn't get much correction. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was always funny. Like, why are you mad at me? Because because I did good the first time. Like, you know, maybe like why, why 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 he never correct you? Like, nigga, I don't know, nigga. Because I know when to correct. Like, I'll be like, I need to fix that part. He's Like, yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, bro, I kind of <laughs> know what to do. Like, it's not my fault. You don't know the fuck. Like. It's really
2: interesting, though, that you mentioned Dre's intonation because even though he doesn't write his stuff, one thing I've always said, he knows how to deliver it as if he wrote it.
0: He is amazing at it, man. Uh, He, uh, I mean, he. I mean, you know, if you look at everybody he works with, and I know he drove this home with me is that our voices are instruments and how to utilize your instrument more. And I, you know, um, I can never sing, I'm never gonna be able to sing, but I still have learned how to, you know, do some intonations and change those tones, and uh, you asshole, like he just, he knows how to teach you how to, you know, make inference, make it sound like a question, make, you know, um, when when to speak it, as opposed to, to, to you know, heavy yelling it, or he just he, he's a, he's a master at it and uh you know uh you, know, you look at what and and taking battle rappers you know taking a, a you know a battle rapper you know or thug rapper like like a Eminem or a Kendrick Lamar or 50 Cent um you know a Snoop Dogg. Well, no, Snoop's voice is like butter. That shit was yeah. gonna win anyway. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a, Snoop is the exception to the rule. Exactly. Let me not even. Yeah, he, he's a, he a superhero. Was, yeah, he's a superhero <laughs> with his verse. He's got the coolest fucking voice. But a lot of us, you know, we got these, you know, battle talk shit, you know, and and he starts having us utilize the instrument more, and it's awesome.
2: Mm, no. Um... That's really interesting. I feel I actually feel like my hip-hop nerdism has come up because I always say, listen, Dre's delivery, he knows. Yep. He knows what he's doing, man. Listen to him. He knows. Mm-hmm. I was watching The Sopranos and um, there's a scene in The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. And when I heard Van Gogh, Van Gogh, <laughs> <laughs> I started <laughs> drinking gun finger at the screen. And then there was the other scene where they had exhibit paparazzi. I said, yes, no, yes, these yes. brothers are hip-hop heads. How did that come about? Because to me, The Sopranos iconic show now, like iconic. Yeah. It seemed yeah. almost like perfect setup for the Van Gogh album. Like, how did it come about? And like, was it the label? Was it you? Like,
0: talking yeah, to- yeah. Well, my, uh, Priority Records would always they always would get the soundtracks at that period in time, and then they apparently started doing getting a lot of the licensing for TV shows now. Uh, the, the, the this is a testament to to the music talking um they didn't like me they didn't play my music they were trying to pitch something for that scene they played everybody but me and um i was working on that particular album and i they probably had a certain amount of those songs that you know my songs um, but nothing they played fit. So they played Master P, whoever was on the label who was popular and successful, Ice right. Cube, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and, and they kept saying, rejecting it. Like, no, we don't want that, we don't want that. And then they, you know, when they ran out of shit, they played me. And they was like, that's it. And so, you know, again, you know, the, the, it, it proves, and I remember learning that immediately, like they didn't want to play you. And just thinking, like, you know, I, I didn't do anything to these people. Like, why are they just benching me and trying? It was, like, almost intentionally trying to destroy my career, um, you know. Um, but thank God that we were making good enough material that it made it. Um, so it was bittersweet. I, I was, every time I even think about being on The Sopranos, is like, you know, we, we, we made the cut, but basically no thanks to, to the company that I was signed to. Mm.
2: Yeah. But then, hold on. <laughs> because on on um, on um the record, you say, because Priority Records keep messing up, nephew. They
0: uh, Yeah. They heard that part too? Of course they did. It's been a long time. I should have left <laughs> you, you. But Priority Records be fucking up, nephew. Yeah. That's how it starts. That's how Vangos yeah, starts.
2: They, no one, they, yo, I, you know, what <laughs> you, know
0: you seem like the kind of guy, I like you.
2: But you seem like you're the kind of guy. Like you may unintentionally <laughs> offend like,
0: people. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It's not unintentionally. They fucked up, bro. And and if you don't own it, look. You know what I don't like is people like. I I I. This happened in Germany. This is what I don't like. I remember I was doing an interview for Rass Assassination and it says, "Well, you you uh, you say." White people burn your church. Well, fuck white people in general. <laughs> I'm like, okay. i was like, I'm like, uh, uh, but I killed, like, seven niggas on the album. The bitches ain't shit. You only care about the white people part. And then I put it in context. I said, I said, you only caught the fuck white people. Did you hear the part before that where I said, white people burn your church? Then see you in the mall and clutch they purse. Treat a nigga like dirt when the black man was here first. That's why I be a one officially. Fuck white people in general and fuck the pe- police specifically. So, um, I-, I just, if if you don't own, if the shoe fits, find a matching purse with me. That's the kind of personality it is. I don't harp on shit, but I'd rather tell the truth because that was the reason why I was making my music anyway. It's my therapy. And if mm. Capital, if they were fucking up. And I, that was kind of at the at the trajectory I was going and and people like Dr. Dre telling me, like, you're a star and this company's fucking keep fucking up. They just fucked off the Dr. Dre shit. Eminem out here getting a million dollars a show and I'm still and I, I can he's niggas is lapping me, exhibit on his fifth album, and I'm here stuck on my third. Come on, bro. What was I what else was I gonna say?
2: Yeah. No, I, I well I do laugh when I hear that line though, it's cause it's the way you say it, it cracks me up. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. But I mean, I think I was a, a cool enough sport to to, to watch, uh, you know, them abject failures. I mean, they failed Jay-Z's first album. If, yep. I, I mean, the fact, the fact of the matter is, is if Jay-Z would have stayed on party, he'd be sitting right next to me and we'd be having a conversation about how dope. Or if I would have got, Def Jam wanted to sign me too. If I would have been able to get out, the reason why is the hamburger shit. They literally told me we can't have another Jay-Z. So that's mm-hmm. why I became the hamburger in the water. Because wow. Jay-Z left and fucking went and took over Earth. Mm-hmm. And I was considered the same caliber. And, and, see- used to li- and, you, and you used to live with Jay-Z, actually. He's an older homie. So when I was mm-hmm. working on Razz, that assassination, I lived with Jay-Z. So really? I was, I, yeah, I was one. Why well, you think I got the waterproof record with Big Jazzo? That's from being, living in New York at Jay-Z's apartment with Jay-Z. Jesus yeah,
1: right. Christ yeah no, so I know you had like, I know you had relationship. you called him that you considered each other friends even back then and, and stuff, but I didn't realize that you'd lived together because I, I I remember you talking about how he got off
0: uh prior yeah. well, yeah, well, I was right there yeah no he brought me i mean he left, did well, and I was working on assassination and uh they brought me in um possibly to be rockefeller part of Rockefeller, so I was there the whole summer. Stay at a script. Yes. So hold on. So what happened with
1: us? So I'm I'm the I'm the resident hove stand on the podcast because Jay because uh, Chris always takes the mic out of me for always mentioning Jay Z. We have to we have to rhyme back now. You just said Rockefeller. So now
0: now I'm yeah. I'm peaked now. I
2: yeah. yeah. would have been it. like
0: I would have been like West Coast rock or whatever. I don't you know we, we weren't really sure they would have managed me. We didn't really know what it was. So we were just still I, working it out. Yeah, we yeah I I went um. Jay had two apartments, but the State Street one, 420 State Street, that's where I lived. I lived with Jay. Jesus. Barbershop, go to barbershop, you know what, with them, out the clubs.
2: You know um, what, you know when yeah. you think you know- I've had an interesting
0: <laughs> journey, man. <laughs> you know when you think
2: you know hip hop stuff, it's, it's these these are the stories, it's it's now just, you're filling in the gray areas. Right. Now, okay, you lived with Jay-Z, Jazzo record. I'm like, of course, yeah.
0: It makes sense. Right, yeah, because we were, we worked at Henchman Studio on 21st and Broadway. So right. every day, we, uh KK Rosamond, who's Jimmy's nephew, that's how I met Wise P from the Rangers. And we became like all of that, that family structure. That's how I know ski. That's all that, man. Like, okay. uh, because, yeah, man. Through, through that journey and that crazy-ass summer, which was awesome, that
1: super fun. Are you writing a, a book or something, man? What are we doing here? What are we doing here?
0: I need to. I we need to. We need to, <laughs> we need to write a book because really. yeah,
1: I, I, I suspect as you're going through your history... I have you know, so much. Oh, you so much?
0: Little mm-hmm. awesome Easter eggs and nuggets and how this fits into that. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Let's yeah, stick, man.
2: Let's stick with collaborations a bit. I was so happy. As a fan, I bought the Evidence album, Cats and Dogs, and I saw mm-hmm. it Cause I'm a liner note like junkie, the red carpet, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, sir. I know there was a dispute at one point with you and Alchemist, but I was just happy to hear you all together. How did that song come about, especially after the dispute being resolved?
0: Oh, no, nah, man. You know, shit, me and Al are fine, man. Um, you know, after we had to deal with what we had to deal with. But uh, uh, Ev hit me. He just reached out to me and asked me to do it. Um, and uh, B was awesome. It just had the sample, like, I, I thought it was gonna be political, and I'm glad it wasn't. And when then he sent it, the instrumental, and I was in a space at the time. I was kinda going through, I was sick, like physically sick, like a flu or a cold or something. And And I was, you know, upset about some things, some family shit. And then I heard his verse and it really helped me because that's how I was writing. And I thought I was going to let him down if I wrote what I was feeling. You know, I didn't want to, you know, it's hard to write some gangster shit if you feel sad. It's hard to write some sad shit if you feel like a gangster. You know, like, or, you know, so I was really in one of those real reflective but kind of melancholy moods, And I was under the weather <laughs> when I wrote it. And recorded it. I went to the studio and I laid it, and I can hear my nose stopped up in it. Like as I listen to it now, it's like it told. Like it's that whole uh, capsule, the time, you know, the time capsule. Like I can relive because everything. I, I'm, I'm sad. They say you only live once. I disagree. You only live twice. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so it was awesome, man. Uh, I, again, I'm, I'm very grateful. Raekwon wasn't on the record yet. Uh, he he reached out and then I, he told me Ray was getting on it, and he was waiting for Ray to get back. But um, yeah, I, I laid mine, um, and uh, and then the rest is history, man. That's just a great record, man. I, I, I love. I performed that record. Uh, you know, I, I I really obviously would love to do it with all three of us or four, even without there. But uh, it's always fun doing it. Like, I've performed it with, with, with Av a few times. It's just, it's just awesome.
2: Yeah, you and Rayquan cool. sound good together. I was listening yeah, yeah. to the, um, Destruction of a Guard, Khalil remix. Yeah, yeah. You guys sound, you guys sound really, really good together. Similar with OC. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, reverse,
1: rever- is it reverse engineering you guys got on? Is it yeah, like- reverse engineering. Oh, man. my Lord. We love, I OC, love yeah. that. I yeah, love that.
0: Yeah, all got busy, bro. Yeah. Everybody got busy. Uh, 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 What you call him there, too? Um, Torre.
1: Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He did. He did. We love Torre, too.
2: Yeah, we had OC on the podcast a few weeks ago. We wanted to ask him about you, and we totally forgot. So I thought I'd bring it up today.
1: No, we didn't know. It's Also, no, sorry. I I got it wrong. It's not reverse. It's action guaranteed with OC. Um, Yeah. Oh, you went back, back, back. Yeah, 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 we're
0: going back. We're going back.
1: You got the the shit on uh, Kid Capri. Like, you know, come on, man. Don't touch that dial
2: with apathy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You lot sound, you lot sound good. Yeah. Um, I know we're running out of time, so I've only got a couple of more. I've got a couple of more questions to ask. Um, <sighs> police brutality. Um, yeah. It's a debate. It continues um, and it's, it continues to be a reason for protest in 2020. Now, your mm-hmm. dad was a police officer.
0: Yeah.
2: How did you reconcile the fact that your father in the home is an authority figure, but then you see the other side in the streets where the police are figures that abuse authority. Was there any conflict inside of you and how did you manage that?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen to my music. Obviously, I didn't like my father, man. We did not see eye to eye at mm. all. Um, you know, what I'm saying, and soul on ice and police and fuck this, basically saying, fuck you, dad. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways we are... Two sides of the same coin. I think he took an approach to to, to uh, survival in the United States, and I took a different one. I took the total opposite. He was a Marine. He was, you know, he tried, you know, he, he left before he was of age to even go, like fake his shit, you know, because he was like, I think the middle, like a middle kid out of like seven boys, you know, um, and and, uh, and and I wasn't. You know, we were raised to not fight for this country because it, it, he came home, and got spit on and called a nigger. So why would I do that for this country? Why, like, go go shoot people that didn't do anything to me to come home and get spit on and called a nigger. I'm, I'm not interested in, in, in spreading America's lies to other places. We can contain that and deal with it in America. I'm not gonna go arm up. I'm gonna tell you the biggest hypocrisy ever America, especially America, says, you know, violence isn't the way, you know, when we, but, but why do police have all these guns then, and violence isn't the way? Why, 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 did, why, did, why does most of the American tax dollar go to buying missiles and tanks and guns and violence isn't the, isn't the way?
2: Mm.
0: Like, violence isn't the answer. So to me, that's what they always say, even the fucking, the Biden dude. Violence isn't the answer. Why do you keep buying so many guns then?
2: This is the question
0: yeah so 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 if violence isn't the answer, then the question must be, who enjoys being a second class citizen and getting fucked up because then violence isn't the answer because <laughs> yeah uh? that, yeah, so by, that that the question has to be who enjoys being a fucking slave? I don't. So violence wouldn't be the answer if that's the question. Yeah. I'm just cool, you know, I'm just cool on the hypocrisy. Um and my father ended up going through some real shit in his career as a police officer. You know, his partner planted drugs on a Hispanic guy. And my father didn't back him and then they basically pushed him out of LAPD. And then, you know, his sergeant telling him, You gotta watch your back, I you know, I can't watch your back for you. Well, so you're the police, but he, you can't watch his back from police that, like, they're the fucking, so they're the criminals. The police are the gang. So you can't, he got to watch his back from the police because they did some illegal shit. Hmm. So who polices you and what who protects, who polices the police?
2: Yeah, bunch of it, Mackie's running around.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it's just bullshit. The same way, you know, the, the reason why Wester's name did what he did. Um... Um. Ah, uh, oh, man, uh, Donner. Oh, Michael yes, Donner. Yes, Michael yeah. Donner, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Michael like, Donner, yeah. man. Washington. You know, and he wrote, and he wrote it out. Uh, he, he, they, they do it all the time. It's saying, look, man. I was talking about what happens in entertainment and bending over and all that. Shit happens in all in all segments. That's what systematic racism means. It happens in your justice system. It happens in your entertainment. It happens in your education. It happens in your fucking what you eat, everything. And so, yeah, in, in our justice system, it's not just. It's a hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so, my, yeah, my, my father, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't correlate it. I told, my father told me what a suspect looked like when I was 13 or something, and he said they wore baggy jeans. They tended to be, you know, 13 to 23 and brown or black. He described me and didn't even realize he was, because they had broken his logic system. I mean, shit, I invert these things now and say, well, you know, most of the fucking serial killers and fucking, or uh, are, are white guy age, you know, 17 to 35, why don't we go pull them over and stop them and see how many kids they got in their trunk every goddamn day? So, you know, that's the hypocrisy. Like when you join these things, you have you get unmade. They break you to rebuild you in their image. So you start thinking some shit that is so counterintuitive to your own well-being, but you don't realize that. You're just, you have already drank the Kool-Aid and, believe, and repeating this bullshit. So my father, to me, was repeating bullshit. So I'm a suspect because I like hip hop basically. Because I like baggy jeans, and I got a hoop earring, and I like dye my hair blonde, you know, like Kwame, or whatever the fuck we doing at the time. I'm the thug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they criminalize us, and then they get, you know, those police officers, I mean, a lot of them never come back and believe that crazy, that crazy bullshit. Um, some, thank God, and, and I think I helped my father cross that bridge for him to be, get more aware about what the indoctrination he had went through. I think I was there to change, help my father get back to mm-hmm. and, and unindoctrinate him. I honestly do. And then there's certain things my father said on, on, on a logical level of how not to fuck up that he was there to help me learn. You know uh, that I can tell my sons. Hopefully, my sons will be a better, better balanced than me. I went hard left. My father was hard right, and that, and we came together where we're both balanced. And hopefully, my sons will learn from that. Like it's awesome. My my sons uh, said when they're like 15. I remember you know they went to visit my pops and came back like, Dad, you know, ARs kick AR 15s kick, and you know, and, and I'm like. You know, I called my father, and I was just like, and they're like, Dad, we're really Austins, and, you know, I have twin boys, you know, and, and it and it was just really awesome. Like, I didn't do that type of shit with my pops. He knew I was crazy, though. I, he wasn't <laughs> going to let me have a gun, because I was crazy. I almost shot motherfuckers in in, in middle school when I was in eighth grade. So he, I have a bad temper, so he already knew I was crazy. But it was awesome for them to be able to have that experience and shoot an AR, you know, with and, 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 and have that discipline. So they... they They'll, hopefully they'll be, you know, 50 times more balanced than me. And, and I'm glad that my father had the integrity to tell those, you know, to tell on that police officer and, and not let that Hispanic guy, you know, get drugs planted on him and go to prison for no, you know, for no reason. It doesn't, ma- if, it doesn't matter if he sold drugs um, before. And, this, and I just want to allude to this. They, they indoctrinate us with these movies. The police officer, he's going to go against the law. Sometimes to stop the crime, he had to be the criminal. Nigga, you a criminal then. <laughs> I can't
2: do this. Yo, he's not wrong. You know, he's you're
0: not right. wrong. I can't do this. It's too, it's, you're, right. Yeah. you're right. You're right. You're he, right. That's the message some, they push. up. Yeah. North is beyond the law. So that's what they, and then they on this, nigga, you are breaking the law. You can't kick people and break fingers. Then you're just as bad. So that's the hypocrisy of America and they train us to believe, to accept it. Program like that's the hero. Dirty Harry, yeah <laughs> punk. Fuck, fuck Dirty Harry. I'll beat that nigga, old ass nigga with his own gun. <laughs> Magnet,
1: his a magnum.
0: Yeah. Slap so the shit out that nigga. Fuck, <laughs> fuck these cops that run around here. They punks, they cowards. And you go hit on people and it take three of y'all, four of y'all hitting people from behind, like just coward shit. You know, the the biggest gang in America, man, period. They talk about a gang problem. We do have one. It's called the LAPD. And and, and then the world has a bigger gang problem. It's called the U.S. Armed Forces.
1: You spoke about your father.
0: Yep. What's it like being
1: a father to sons who... they both make music, right? Roz and, and Taj both Yeah, yeah uh, What's that well, like? No. That must give you a great sense of pride and you, mm, you, you
0: know. No, no, no you no. don't. I, I, man, look at what I've been through. You think I wanted some niggas to go true. rap? True, true. No, That's fair. I, I, I did not. The, the only thing is that I, I'm held accountable to the same standards I held my father to. I told my father what I wanted to do. He said it was a fad. I wanted my sons, I wanted an accountant so we could know how to watch this money. And I wanted uh, uh, a lawyer. Right. I want a lawyer or a judge so we can get away with shit. So I, want, I want it too. So, um, you know, <laughs> and then, and, and, you know, honestly, you know. No, I, I, no I feel, you. I my, feel my, you. My cousin is Blue Da Vinci, the BMF dude. So, like, how to wash money. Let niggas get out. Like, I, I had a bit of a plan here. It just, my plan fell all apart. The football, homie, like it. But I definitely had a plan here. I, I wasn't just rapping for the sake of rap. I had a master plan. Um, and it's you know it's not over with yet. I ain't dead, so I'm still trying to execute the plan. It just you know, plan A shifted to plan B, which plan C. We had like F right now, but you know we're gonna keep working. We're it we got the alphabet. Still got
1: the alphabet. Yeah, what, we still got know. the alphabet.
0: Then, then we will switch to Chinese characters, Arabic. <laughs> fuck it. We're gonna keep Sounds on trying to right? Sanskrit, yeah, fuck yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I didn't want to be a hypocrite, so Nothing. when they when they when they told me, hey, this is what we want to do, we want to pursue it. I, I, you know, I wanted to give them the support that I, you know, initially I wish my father would have given me, and um, I'm not gonna lie, like they played me stuff, and I was like, yo, these dudes are pretty dope, you know. It's not surprising. I'm pretty dope, and their mom is a dope singer and writer, yep. Tidra Moses. So, you know, they yeah. they you know they, they they got it on both sides. And uh, it, but because I felt like maybe I'm biased, I was very nervous. But then when my friends, when other people, without me asking, were like, "Yo, them dude's kind of dope," then I was like, "Okay, they got it." But you know, obviously, yeah, you know, I wish my. I wish, I wish I had the foundation I could have provided them like, you know, Puffy does for his, his kids or, you understand what I'm saying? Or, yeah. you know, Blue, you know, Beyonce. I don't have that. So, I, you know, I fear for them going through bullshit like I went through. And, I, you know, no parent wants that. I don't want that for my, for my sons. But, you know, uh, at least, you know, when I started this journey, no one in my family had ever done music, ever. It was just not a thing to think about. Um, now my little sister graduated, you know, Berkeley Law, top five law school in America, for entertainment law. She sings jazz. Their mother is a successful singer. Their other auntie is a, is a is a is a does management. So they have an their father is an artist. So they have an infrastructure of people that want nothing but to see them succeed. Whereas I started with nothing and a and a lot of people that hated my hated on me. You know, right. and wanted to steal something. I just want them to succeed. So they're gonna, they're gonna do well. Um, they, they, uh, shit. They probably are signing soon. I think they're signing to the Motown. Um Also, awesome. awesome. so,
2: connections
0: yeah. to them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Coast Contra man. So they're ill, super talented. I know they were on the Slim and uh, uh, I forgot the name of the movie. Slim and Oh, the, oh
1: the, the new yeah. There's the a new one, yeah. right? Yeah, I forgot the. A. Yeah, I I only watched that movie. It's, it's, it looks really good, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I need to watch
0: it too. Yeah, they they have a song with Chance the Rapper on that soundtrack, so they they moving, man. They're moving. That's They're amazing. Moving.
2: Congratulations to them, man. You must um yeah, proud dad. That's, that's yes, amazing. sir. I, I am. They definitely got. The I music. still want some
0: accountants, man. <laughs> accountants. Hey, judges. listen.
1: Let me tell you something. I'm I'm, I'm, gonna t- I'm gonna take it there now. So I'm Asian, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you know, in like my fan from India. There's a big stigma within the Asian community, and, it's, and it happens in you know Nigerian families, etc. But I can speak from my culture. When you ha- when you have a child, it's a doctor, it's a lawyer, <laughs> right. it's an accountant. Otherwise, it's like some shit. Like, what I was lucky that I was lucky that I had two. I'm the youngest of three, right? So right. my brothers would always like they would press upon me and my parents to go, yo, do whatever you want, you want to do. I was lucky, however. My friends and you know that they weren't so lucky. They had to be right. in medical school, all of that. shit. Right. I, I, get right. it. I get 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 it. I already, listen, I, I I got a kid who's not even like like a year old now, like four months, and I'm going. to yeah, to be a footballer. She can be a footballer. going to
0: play for Liverpool.
1: Like, I've got my tickets unlocked. Like right, <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. I, I have I have one more fan question, and yeah, then I'll man. hand over Chris. Now, Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Were you guys supposed to sign with Aftermath cuz I remember reading an interview isn't in the source maybe talking about you getting beats from Dre and the new uh, oh, the man. new label uh, what was it? what happened uh,
0: um, I, I, again that's when you know it, it, I don't think the deal was the deal was somewhere else but obviously it was like partially with uh, like we were a partnership with Aftermath it would have been crazy um it would have been awesome man uh My company, man, Uh, EMI, Virgin Capital, man, they just started asking for ridiculous stuff and just, you know, they drug it out. They drug that that agreement out for a year and he ended up losing, like, it's just really bad, man. Honestly, I I started really feeling like the company was sabotaging the opportunities. This this
2: stuff gets me angry as a fan because I start to think about how much classic music we've been robbed of because someone in an office... Yeah. yeah, who doesn't care about the culture? Just wants to flex a bit of power. I it no, I I don't like this. It irks me.
0: It, I, I, w- I, it I wish this. I wish I could tell you something different, man. But it's I I have had a Kaepernick story. Like yeah. a, a, it's funny. It should be Kaepernick should be having a razz cast. He got razz cast. You know, it's that's how it's swept under. You know, like you know, my shit really was. So it's it, just to be perfectly honest, I just ruined. It. You know, they didn't. They didn't do anything to make exhibited success, and then you know, then they wanted all this stuff from him, and it was just really whack. And and, and at some point, it just felt like sabotage. To be mm-hmm. honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, fair, Chris. I'm I'm, I'm. I'm. We've got more,
2: but I'm. I'm uh, going um... We've got
1: so much. We've had so much of your time,
0: Chris.
2: Yeah,
1: you okay.
0: go,
2: Raz, We're 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 gonna wrap up. Just want to say, you know, like we mentioned at the beginning. Just want to thank you so much for your contributions. As an MC, your work, I often refer to it. It's a reference tool. Um, Thank you, brother. You're not just an MC. You are a writer, a historian, a documentarian. You curate the culture. And you are one of my go-to case studies when people want to talk about hip-hop being, um, not being a, 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 a legitimate art form or a culture. I refer to you you are one of the greatest writers of our time, and thank we you, need man. this because one day you won't be here, and I don't want to. I don't want to shower the timeline with, oh, you know, he was the greatest. We want to tell you one of the. Thank best you. I
0: will take, take my roses now, man. Thank you. Yeah, we love you, man, and
2: thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thank you. So did we? Much. Did we
0: break some Adams summit? Uh, they did.
2: We, we did,
1: did Raz. We fucking All broke right. them. I think we might have split the atom. I think Einstein, or as you referred <laughs> to one time in one of your raps, R- Rastine. You know, Right. I, I think we did something else here today. So thank you. No, honestly, to echo, you. You. To echo um, Chris's sentiments, we do really appreciate you and your time, and we, thank we, just, you. we just we, just, we want to see you shine. Uh, and look, man, this is this has been an honor for both of us.
0: Man, a pleasure, man. I, I, great conversation too. You brought some some real easter eggs out i didn't plan on uh, exposing those easter eggs but cool that was awesome
1: we did we, we did that with apollo brown we did that with oc we did that nice. with mike geronimo this is how we roll how <laughs> we we learn it out
0: this is how we do <laughs> but, No, thank you blessings thank, to you, man. thank you. Blessings to you i just want to tell everybody um i got a, a a new project it's called we just dropped a song called five mics um and uh uh The project, I call it a vinyl playlist. So guys be on the lookout for that very soon. Um, Loving songs, production from some of your favorite producers and some amazing dope features on it. So please check that out.
2: We'll we'll put it in the episode description so people can check it out.
0: Nice. Thank you. No worries. Take
2: care. Be safe. Take care. All
0: right, Chris. All right. right. Peace.
2: Peace.
1: So there you go. Raz Kaz. Time Capsule. That's Mm -hmm. a time capsule. Let me talk to you about this. It's a time capsule. Ross. Well, like, KRS. Ross. Ross Cars. The thing is, is KRS is probably the only one who could get away with that without you having true, to correct him. You know what I mean? True,
2: true. true. But that's
1: a, that's a fire joint. And look, there was so much to unpack with. So many questions that we didn't even get through. It was so gracious with his time. And it just reiterates and reinforces how much of a legend he is. I can't wait to hear the new music. Yeah. But, you know, this, the, the, he gave us some gems, you know. Six mic interview.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Love it six more again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But Chris, as always, we've got
2: more to come.
1: We do. Since
2: we are not stopping. No, no. It's um. This is uh. You know, they say artists It's like um. Stevie Wonder, Prince, Michael Jackson all have what they call a genius period. Yeah, where they just go on a string of classics. What? This is our genius period. Take no. I, I respect. It. I respect. It. I was just gonna go with Liverpool winning again
1: and again, but we'll go with what you said, innit?
2: Man, this is Bret Hart, King of the Ring. I keep telling you, man. <laughs> gonna ring 93 bro, all over again in podcast form absolutely and as always
1: you can follow us on every podcast platform we are now on amazon music as well so you can find what? us all the way there what? yeah, yeah I, got, I got us on uh, amazon amazon music bruv they've got they released podcasts so we need to be on there oh, cool um, so you can find us on every podcast platform as uh, as always social media at break the atoms twitter facebook and instagram uh let us know what you think please get in touch Share, post, tell a friend to tell a friend. Breaking Atoms is
2: here to stay. Peace.